Hey everybody and welcome to episode 173 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So people, welcome back to the show, episode 173. Had some great feedback on the last few episodes um, with Nick Patterson, Tom Staveley, and Dawn and Dave, uh, well, Dawn Lester and David Parker, I should say. Um, and yeah, lots of it, lots of you are loving the information uh, that's that's been uh, been shared by them. And I'm not surprised, you know, because it just un it lifts the veil of, of just lies that's been talked so many times from the medical industry about what's what's true and what's not uh, and today is going to be an episode exactly like that as we're going to dive into religion with my good friend Warren Williams and we're going to be talking about we're going to be going to we're going to be talking about you know Warren's actually got a, a, a deep background in religion which I'll let you to uh, which we'll go into on the podcast but he's got a, a background that I haven't seen many others um Many of us have with the length and depth that he studied religion. Uh, we're going into the two different forms of religion, uh, the benefits of religion, why religion can only take you so far, why different religions concentrate on what they don't have in common rather than what they do, the seven stages of consciousness, why most translations of religious books have been taken out of context, why religion fears questions, and also we go into Warren's theory on how the pyramids were built and a lot more. So, you know, we've got lots to cover when it comes to this topic, which we'll get into very shortly. As always, the episode is sponsored by www.reviveyourself.co and our shop. We're going to get the best natural health products in the world, bar none. And we've got products from all different of our affiliate or all different affiliates that you know these are products that i use i wouldn't recommend anything to you that i don't use myself uh, and for example from evolution organics we've got living fuel which is the best all-round product on the market bar none if you're looking for just one a one-stop shop this product you know two scoops of it is the equivalent of 260 dollars worth of organic produce it can't be beaten um, on the market then got liver cleansers in the form of milk thistle and liver support from nature's answer got all your immune boosting nootrophic um, mushrooms from four sigmatic got clean soaps uh, from dr bronner's if you want to have uh, an actual we get liquid soap and hard hard soap handheld soap as well uh, extremely clean free of any of the nasties, parabands, SLSs, SLESs, etc. Um, all very, very clean. Um, yeah, and then we move on to Finchley Clinic. We've got extremely good gut healing products as well as a product I love for my skin, which is the oxygenated olive oil. Um, ozonated, oxygenated. Um, it's actually a top, top product. You can find that under the Finchley Clinic banner. Then we move down to Ancient Purity, which uh, this time of year, for the winter, those of you in the winter months, you know, the vitamin C and vitamin D, uh, the liposomal versions are fantastic. 
um, when it comes to absorbing, you know, you absorb it straight in the mouth and you actually absorb it more from a liposomal version. Vitamin C and vitamin uh, D3, uh, high, high quality. The vitamin C is actually made in Scotland, not the Chinese rubbish. I shouldn't really say that, but the Chinese rubbish that you can get in other places. That's going to be full of fillers, binders and toxins. So extremely high quality uh, vitamin uh, vitamin C and vitamin D um, formation purity then we've got the royal jelly that I absolutely love I have it in my morning tea it's what Bruce Lee used to drink um, mixed with ginseng as well full of amino acids and other once again uh, muscle building um, immune boosting properties uh, and um, the pearl powder which you can have internally it's a, it's a secret of the Orient you can actually put it on your skin topically to get rid of any rashes blemishes etc it really will help with that or you can have it internally where it's got a plethora of health benefits including enhancing sexual sexual performance and sexual um it's a sexual stimulant um then uh, if we go into, oh, actually I forgot there, the vulvic minerals. If you're looking, you know, the soils today are so depleted, it's important you get your minerals in your body and the vulvic minerals from ancient purity, you add that to your morning tonic, it's a, f- a fantastic thing to do. Um, just giving your body the, the, the minerals, it needs a, a deeper cellular level. Uh, then if we move into bio-optimizers, they've got the best, in my opinion, enzymes on the, on the market. Their mass enzymes are, they work by either di- helping you digest food or you can have them on their own on an empty stomach and it help you clear debris um, so anyone's dealing with gut issues you know I always talk about working with someone if you've got long if your gut issues have been going on for longer than three months and you really want to work with someone to get to the root cause of the issue because you're going to probably need to heal and see your gut as well as to populate it but otherwise if you've just been having a little bit of flatulence a little bit of bloating etc then these enzymes are fantastic for helping you to digest food along with the HCL you know it'll help you um, bolster your hydrochloric acid in your gut remember most people over the age of 30 35 they start to lose their digestive fire so their enzymes and the hcl work extremely well and the probiotics they've got their best probiotics for digesting protein on the market by none if you haven't listened to my interview with wade um haven't listened to my interview with wade lightheart uh, the ceo of bioptimizers i suggest you do so and they also said a very very good product called gluten guardian that helps your body break down the, the the molecules in gluten which cause a lot of people problems so if you're going to go going out and you don't want to be having a few drinks or have some pasta or some bread rolls and you don't want to have the after effects of eating gluten then this is a fantastic product that you can take with you um, then always want to mention my man dr nick berry at essential oil wizardry.com for the best essential oils on the market bar none you know so often women every day they're putting on chemicals on their skin fragrances which are no good been linked to all sorts of hormone disrupting issues endocrine disrupting issues which lead to ovarian problems menstrual cycle problems and cancer so you really want to be dropping out the perfumes you know people don't understand how much of an unregulated industry it actually is and so you'd be better off getting essential oils and they come no cleaner and no better uh, no more harmonized with nature than dr nick berry my friend and if you go to his site www.essentialoilwizardry.com and you put in the, the code REVIVE, you're going to get 10% off of all of his fantastic products there. Uh, then we've got the products MEMON, uh, the MEMON products you see on our site, and these are the, the products that are going to help you to mitigate your exposure to EMFs. You know, we are in a toxic soup and we are being bombarded with electromagnetic frequencies that we can't see. And just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. And having talked to Dr. Klinghard, you know, he talks about 
the only people that can really ever truly heal the ones that can mitigate their body from the, the amount of EMF exposure that people are under today and these, these products from Memon you can actually use have one on your wrist or around your neck for your protect your body you can have one that goes in your car so it creates a false field around your car and the combi system you can plug into the wall of your house and it protects your whole house it builds a force field around your house by using the electronic um electrical wires in in your building and so you 100 percent want to do that uh as well as turn off your wi-fi at night that helps but these 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 definitely help from the other um this the, the amount of towers that are going up now on 5g you know they want to have it in every car and every classroom so these things are extremely important let me go on to my man um andy manth over at blueblocks.com so he he he's the uh, he's developed the best blue blocking glasses on the planet bar none and he's got the lenses you can use in the daytime the clear glasses if you're looking at screen all day he's also got the yellow lenses for dusk and dawn and the red lenses for the evening which they are yeah just unbelievable products and they're quite stylish and even if you want to send him your own frames he can put in the glass uh, the lenses for you and his lenses are all come from an optician in australia rather than once again cheap chinese produced glasses which don't do much for anyone so if you head on over to blueblocks.com that's blueblocks.com b-l-u-b-l-o-x.com and put in the code revive you're going to get 10% off there as well. It might be Revive 10. Have a little check with that. But that's it for, for now. So without further ado, let's get on to the episode with my main man, Warren Williams. Episode 173. Enjoy. And I'll see you on the other side. I can't even remember that the conversation we were having in the car that time was mm. was absolutely that was awesome. And I can't even remember how we even got onto it and what, what, what it was. I remember we were talking about religion. And yeah. I can't remember what it was. <clears throat> Did we get into? I think we started off with the black and black and white stuff because of the the BLM um, Black Lives Matter stuff. Yeah, um, that was going on, and I was and we were just talking about how <clears throat> people were very easily manipulated by what's going on, and people were very emotional. And then we were talking about yeah, a few other yeah. things. I can't remember how we got onto religion like distractions. though. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about distractions and how everything is a distraction. Um, and then, um, yeah, I can't remember how, but anyway, we got onto <clears throat> the subject of religion. And um, so, we, yeah, we, we can just start with that. You know, yeah. Because I, I know you're recording. So I kind of wanted to just preface this just by saying, first of all, there, there are two different forms of... Um, and can you hear me clearly? Yeah. Okay. So there's two different forms of um, religion in general. There's um, industrialized religion, which is all about profit and marketability and really preying on the weak, the fearful, <clears throat> the scared, people who are lonely, people who invariably are not happy or fulfilled. And you see that when you see a lot of, like, especially like in Nigeria, as an example, there's a lot of poverty, especially like in, in places like that, there's a lot of poverty. And you see the pastors over there that are multi-millionaires, but their their you know their their church, their parishioners as they call them, are in poverty. And it's like, how the heck is that balanced out? I mean, the guy who has the biggest church in <clears throat> in the world is a Nigerian. His church size <coughs> of it's either two or three football pitches. And he drives around in, in a car, like a bulletproof car that's made that's um, laminated with gold 
and um, but yeah, he's teaching to his parishioners about finding God and contributing money to the church. But yet he's a multi multi millionaire and they're, they're poor. So that itself is not what religion really should be about, and that's industrialized religion. And most of the religion that people follow today is industrialized religion. And then the second type of religion in general is kind of like what we call the spiritual religion. And in that, it's more about uh, trying to trying to really focus on finding your connection to what you class as God, universe, source. And, you know, so I, because obviously a lot of what I'm going to say now is going to rubbish religion. You know, what, what comes next is I'm going to rip it to pieces um, because it just doesn't stand, stand the test of time. So I want to kind of just preface this by just by acknowledging that there are benefits to religion in general, right? People that are in religion for the right reasons, they're doing it because they're trying to be, trying to be better and trying to find the higher purpose or the higher calling as to why they have the life that they have. And those sort of people that are seeking the answers are, are really focused on the spiritual form of religion, not in religion just to make money, not in religion just to share responsibility, but in the religion to kind of find themselves and to find a higher calling. So one of my spiritual masters used to say to, say to me, say to us years ago, if someone's religious and they, you know, and they're trying to find purpose in life, don't just take their religion away, help them to be the best Christian, Muslim or Jew that they can be. And invariably, if someone is truly honest, truly honest, and they don't have a religious bias because all dogmas create religious bias. If they don't have a religious bias, they will realize that their religion can only take them so far. And that's the truth of it. Most, well, all religions can only take you so far because if you stay in the religion, everything that you speak about has to confirm the religion itself. So people don't get to truly, truly ask real open questions because all of their questions have to validate their own belief system as to why they have that belief in the first place. So I kind of want just to, you know, to say that just to kind of start just, with. Just before you get on to that, though, Lauren, just for people out there, I just want to talk about, because this is, this is something that I've, I've had Nick Patterson on. He's, he's really good. He's got a website there called john8.net. He's, he talks about, you know, he, he was part of the church, and he says he left the church behind long ago because of what you said, like the industrial religion. He said he loves the Bible. He reads it, and he takes it as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But he says he doesn't anything to do with the church, and so they don't teach the Bible properly and they don't take for inspiration they use it as you say that's fear-based and etc and there's other things that we go into with him he's, he's really good and, he, and talking about it, using the bible as it pertains to our laws today because a lot of that well, laws are written on, on 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 the bible even though king james but we'll go into why that wasn't the first but also for people out there just just your background into this because i remember when we talked before i was actually really taken back by the, le- the limits that you've actually gone to to learn this because you've you've done um Obviously, I I was I went to a Catholic school, so I said I done religious religious studies for the first I'd say, you know, 11, 14 years of my life I did it, but different ways again deep into it. I just I learned what I was taught, but you went you went to uh, what was it the school? You actually learned the Quran as well in in Arabic. So this, mm. you just let people just know a little bit more about that, just so they can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I was for ten years. Um. I was part of a uh, spiritual school 
Um, and like you can't find it online, so you couldn't Google the school because they don't. That's invitation only. And I'm not even going to say the name of the school because they're a very secretive school. They, they're off the grid. They are truly esoteric, not exoteric, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, but yes, yeah, so I studied with them, and part of our studies was religion because we had to study the problem that created the disillusional disconnect between us and truth. And so we um, studied Christianity and we had to basically act as Christians, you know, pray to God and Jesus. And we had to study the Bible, but we didn't study the Bible in English. We had to study in its, in its Latin text because there's so much um, disharmony in translation because you cannot adequately translate from English to Arabic. You have to translate it from English to Latin, from Latin to Hebrew to Hebrew to Arabic. So we had to study that mechanism. And we had to study what the words were behind the English that gave the true meanings. And so we studied that for about uh, two or three years, you know, really just going through the Bible, but not the way religious people do. Um, we didn't like, as an example, Christians invariably read the New Testament and they very, very rarely <clears throat> read the Old Testament. Um, Jews will focus on the Old Testament and they don't really read the New Testament. They will focus on a book called the Talmud. The Talmud is their second book that supports Judaism. Um, and then even Islam, um, they would study the Quran and secondarily the Old Testament. They don't really read the New Testament. So we studied uh, Christianity, but every single book from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, so we did that for about three years and then studied Islam uh, again for about another two or three years, but studying not just the Hadith, which means tales of men, which are almost like the Qur'an's or the Islam's version of the New Testament, which is the Hadith. So they have the Qur'an and then they have Hadith, whereas Christianity have the Old Testament, which they don't really read, and then the New Testament. Islam has the Qur'an and Hadith. So we studied the Qur'an. We didn't really study Hadith because the Hadith are stories from men, accounts from men that were supposed to have been around the Prophet Muhammad at the time, but has never been proven. We studied it in ancient Arabic, and the ancient form of Arabic is called classical Arabic, which is called Fusha. And that was the, the classical language of the Qur'an. So we studied the Qur'an, so I actually had to learn Arabic. Um, so we could read in Arabic. Um, so we'd studied that for about three years. And then we studied Hebraism, or Hebrew, well, something called Amharic, which is a, in a specific form of Hebrew. And we had to study that so we could understand the context of the language and what the names truly meant. So we studied that, and then after that we would get into the esoteric stuff. So we get into what we call right knowledge, and right knowledge is truth outside of religion without parameters or boundaries. And that we covered all these things over this 10-year period, um, and that kind of give, gave us the mastery of understanding where the root source of all information was. So we wouldn't read, um, we wouldn't get translations from dictionaries, we would go to lexicons. Um, and the lexicon gives you the true definition of what words truly mean. Um, so that's kind of like the background. Right. And so, I mean, that meant that, I mean, obviously you've probably read these, because a lot of times you hear translations, but you say it get lots gets lost in translation because there's no true translation from, for example, Arabic to English without yeah. going through Latin. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these things. So 
what when you said before that the Jews typically read this version and uh, or this part, they the, the, the Talmud and then the uh, Old Testament. Um, Christians or Catholics read uh, the the New Testament and not the Old, and then Muslims um, have their book that they read, you know, the Quran. And she said the Old Testament. Why would they do that? Is that just because it fits in with their story? It fits, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. Because if you were to look at uh, the Bible as a whole book. Um, there's no real reference to Jesus in the Old Testament. So if you're preaching everything surrounding Jesus in Christianity, you have to focus on where he's spoken about, which is the New Testament. It's the same with Islam. If your whole focus of your religion is based around Prophet Muhammad, the Old Testament does mention Prophet Muhammad once, but most people don't know that. Um, but it's not it's only once. So you have to reference books that speak about Prophet Muhammad, which is the Quran. So you focus on that. So the point here is that all these religions have one fixated belief system based upon one particular man. With um, Judaism, it's all about Abraham. Abraham's not spoken about in the New Testament, so focus on the Old Testament, because that's where it's spoken about. Christianity is focused on Jesus. And Islam, you know, is focused on Muhammad. So all the books are focused on one man. And that just tells you straight away there's a problem because there has been more than one man or woman in all of these holy books, but yet the focus has only ever been on one particular person in, in each of those holy books. So my main issue to start with, with everything is that the problem with religions is that they focus on the um, what they don't have in common with other religions rather than what they do have in common. Mm-hmm. Islam for, you know, Islam for Muhammad. Um, Judaism for Abraham and Christianity for Jesus. So when I was going from my spiritual school, <coughs> we would call. But even, even if you go back as far as like Egypt before us, right? There's always someone that they they worship. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different in in, in Egyptology because Ra is the is the most powerful god. Ra, yeah, one, yeah. Horus was one of the Horus is part of the original trinity. Horus, Isis, and Osiris, um, and that's where Christianity gets their trinity from. But that, we'll get to that in a bit because that's where the confusion is for Christianity when it comes to the, their their whole denominational system. Um, but yeah, the older religions don't tend to have one particular god because I mean you got Sha, you know Shiva, Brahma, and Krishna in in Hinduism, but that's still a trinity. There's no specific figurehead there. Um, but when they do have a, let me actually correct that. When they do have a figurehead, it's more of a Most High. In the three major religions of, of um, the Western world, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, their focus isn't is on isn't on a Most High. Their focus is on a man or a prophet, mm. and that's the problem. Their worship is directed to a man, whereas the older religions, their worship is more directed toward a deity, and that is the difference between the older religions and the newer religions. Right, but they all, but they, yeah, so and but they all take from. I mean, it's no coincidence that all, when you go back as far as you, as you can, there's always like a trinity um, yeah. in there. And so, you know, when it comes to that, there's, there's, I mean, just, just for people out there, the, what, what does that, why, why do they have a trinity? What does that refer to? Well, I mean, the trinity is obviously relating back to numerology, the power of three. Um, um, and, you know, when we look at um, the, the, the laws of the universe, everything is um, number three governs the universe because we can't think outside of 
the number three when it comes to reality. Um, persons, places, and things is what um, humanity as a construct um, thinks within. They think within three dimensions, and three-dimensional thinking is what we're supposed to be evolving with right now. So when we go to um, what's happening now in the world with 2020 in the Mayan calendar, um, and everybody's talking about ascension and moving to five-dimensional thinking, Mm. or 5D, you know, a lot of people say move from 3D to 5D, and Mm. when you're stuck in 3D, you believe the the narrative of the government, you believe in vaccines and all this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff, but but that's because humans are fixated on the three-dimensional world, which is persons, places, and things, and what that basically means is we as humans can't think outside of a person, a place, or a thing, and if you try it, it's like, what? You say uh, space, that's a thing, you know, uh, time, you know, everything is, is three-dimensional. <clears throat> so um, so three dimensions governs our way of thinking. So if it governs our way of thinking, everything has to be based on that. And the trinity is based on the three-dimensional thinking, person, place, don't think. So everything is in threes. You know, solid, liquid, and gas. Yep. You know, everything is in threes. And that's why it is a trinity, because it comes from this whole three-dimensional thinking. Makes sense, and it's um, as I said before, there's no coincidence. And yeah, this is one of the things they're talking about this vaccine as well. They said once you get it, you won't be able to to um, advance from the third dimension. You'll stay in that third yeah, dimension. Yeah, um, yeah. And so even when we get, because we'll get into that, but people talk about the mark of a beast for vaccine, mm. um, and they talk about that, right? Um, that's the thing. Religion yeah, as well, yeah. That's religion as well. Well, this is the thing though, because a lot of people with religion they don't that they. They, are, they say questions like they say things like um you know if there was a god on this earth how could he let how could he let um uh, children get cancer or how could yeah. this happen it's like well god is what's the passage uh it's, it's uh um i god create the dark and the light the yeah. good and evil i create all these yeah. things yeah yeah all things um and so and that's and that's the thing it's like uh I think I've heard Paul talk about it before. He yeah. talks about um, God being a um, not a monopoly generator, like a, what, what is it like? A, a, basically, a unique experience generator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A novelty generator. No, novelty generator. That was it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, but this is this is where I, I sort of where I see it's hard for me because there's certain things for religion I I think are are good in terms of if you use it as inspiration. I think the four, there's four different ways of taking religion, right? I think the first one is, is the lowest form, which is literal. Uh, then there's two in the middle, which I forget. <laughs> but the fourth one's inspirational. If you take religion as inspirational, fair enough. You know, you're, you're taking it to to to, to, um, to see um, as an inspiration to like progress yourself, to be you said, the best Jew, Christian, Muslim, whatever you are. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But most people don't do that um they they use it they use it as fear fear based you know you do these things or you're going to go burning hell mm. um where and, and lots of it doesn't make sense it's very it's very uh, contradictory um hypocritic um and people that question it they get chucked out of church or they get chucked out of their, their studies mm. uh, which is which is you know and this is the thing when it comes to religion because i think it does and then it does have some good things but then it also has some things which are which if you take them literally, which a lot of people do, this is my problem, like with, say, this is the thing right now, people talk about, you know, we can go into like, um, we can go into to Islam and the Quran, because, you know, nowadays it's not, you know, Christians going around um, killing people in the name of Jesus, that used to, used to happen, um, 
you know, where we've gone behind. behind, behind. What's that? I used to happen a lot. I used to happen a lot, 100%. We've gone past that. You know, the West has gone past that. But unfortunately, um, certain religions are still stuck in... Because it's not even the religion, it's how they've taken. They take them literally. And as I said before, you take certain readings, and you listen to certain people, imams and things like that, when it comes to Islam, take things the wrong way or people can be brainwashed, then it's just like that they haven't gone through that revolution yet where we're going, we just don't do that anymore. Christian. That's just not, it's not, that's just not seen as, um, in today's world, you can't, you don't do that. But certain religions, for example, Islam, you can't, um, write cartoon, draw cartoons about it. About yeah. It. yeah. And there's certain things you can't. So this is the, this is the, the, the issue you have for people taking things literally rather than inspirationally and how it can lead to radical, radical radicalism, which we said before, we've had it in other, we've had it in other religions in the past. We've gone past that now. This is the, the one that's still probably there. And this is why it gets, um, say a bad rep for a lot of people. And if you question it in today's world, it's, it's weird one, you know, that the left have gone crazy. Like if you, if you question things that religions do, then you're a racist. Um, and if you if and if you don't, you know, you let them just like get away. But some of the things that some of these religions claim to allow, um, or people put people follow that. It's a, you've you've got a better understanding because you can read it in Arabic. Whereas something said like they're allowed to take whatever their hand possesses, or you know the way they treat yeah, women and stuff like, stuff like that. Yeah, Islam. And so and so. And if you've got people out there taking that as gospel and then, you know, they, they literally take it as gospel, taking it as, yeah, taking it as truth, then that becomes an issue because they start to live basically going backwards in, in, um, in development. It's just, it's just it's like living back in the, in the past or even just not understanding how the book's been taken. Because when you spoke to you before, you said that is, that's actually not how it's, <clears throat> not, not actually what it says in, in the, in the Quran yeah um but if you listen to translations from that into english then that's, that's how it is taken so this is the thing it's like this is the thing a lot of religions certain religions i mean there's still a lot that goes uh on judaism and, and, and christianity in the catholic mm. church that is horrific it gets brushed under the carpet but it's not seen birds birds in terms of um people you know killing people beheading people in the name of jesus christ it's not happening anymore whereas you know you did have the crusades and we did have that whereas now <clears throat> excuse me if it happens it generally happens in and you hear someone being beheaded in the name of allah you know shayna Akbar or whatever it is before and so this is yeah and so this is this is where the problem we have with, with um islam still is that it's, it's behind but it still means that i mean that's probably something to do with maybe their society and 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 how they sort of still have a different they're still behind i think in terms of the, the in certain laws etc would you agree with that say that last bit they're sort of still behind the western world in in, in their in their laws in terms of like human humanity etc in terms of certain things that's why they still have these laws or um they see women as second secondary second citizens for example yeah Okay, so let's let's get specific and talk about the problems with Islam, because obviously right now people probably just think we're just having an opinion about um, our perspective on on religion. But okay, so first of all, I'm going to go through a few different things. I'm talking about the seven stages of consciousness and the mythic, magical, mythic forms of consciousness as to why we think the way we think and why we buy into religion in general. Yeah. Okay, so 
Let's first of all look at the, um, so I'm not going to go through all seven stages of consciousness because it's not relevant for this topic, but basically um, we, we all have an ability to go through seven stages of consciousness. And at the first point of existence on this planet, uh, we go through what's called the loss of freedom. The loss of freedom stage is when you are, you are no longer soul, which means you're everywhere. You are now in a human body. And because you're in a human body, you now you have a loss of freedom because now you're stuck in one place. And also you have a loss of freedom because you can't move. You're a child. You can't get up and say, you know, I'm going to go outside for a run. I want to clear my head. You know, you can't do that. So you're, in a, you're, at, you're at the first stage of existence on the physical plane, which is the loss of freedom stage. So you are now at a point where you are no longer everywhere. You are somewhere. The soul is caught in the body in, in essential terms. Okay. So then um, the next thing is um, the binding stage. I just want to make sure you I still got you. Sorry, guys, the line just dropped quickly there. So he had to just cut and, and then I got Warren back on the line. So here he is again. And uh, yeah, we'll get back into it. You know where you're at. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about the, um, we're going to start by talking about the seven stages of consciousness because this is what binds everybody to a level of thinking. So we were first talking about the um, loss of freedom stage, which is where the soul is caught in the body, essentially. So when you're in the lost stage of consciousness, <clears throat> which is the loss of freedom, the child cannot go anywhere at once. So it's stuck in the physical body. So that's called the loss of freedom stage. It's dependent on its mother and father to bring it food. So it truly has no freedom. Like if you're hungry, you can get up and go to the fridge. A child can't do that. So it's at the loss of freedom stage where the soul is caught in the body. And then the second stage, which is more relevant to religion, is what we call the binding stage. And the binding, binding stage is when the child um, needs um, to be programmed. So a child is taught what to think, as we know, not how to think. And a lot of this is, is dictated through three things, show social programming, parental programming, and then religious programming. And the religion is always the overtone for everything's Every, every type of thinking. So even if the mother and father aren't practicing Christians, if they're in a Christian country, they have a Christian mindset. Even if they don't go to church, they still think, oh my God. They still think in a Christian way. They still think us and them. They still think division. They still think Jesus Christ. You know, they have religious overtones that are Christian based because they're in a Christian society even if they're not practicing Christians. So that is, is programmed into the child. And then the child grows up with the same Christian viewpoint. Now, the way we see it, when you look at a, like I know friends, I'm sure you do too, who their parents are Christian. And what does the child grow, grow up? Christian. The parent does not give the child an opportunity to, to decide what religion they want. They don't say, oh, Timothy, when you grow up, you can decide what religion you want, what church, what synagogue you go to. No. You are, you are a Christian. And if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, your parents are Seventh-day Adventists, and so on. So you get indoctrinated into this way of thinking until you get to a certain age where you can decide to push the religion away or not. But many people who are not brave enough to challenge their belief systems stay in a religion for their whole life until they die. And when they grow up, they teach their children to also become religious, but also Christians. So your program the conditioned bias and belief and dogma that you have been taught by your parents that you don't even know is right or wrong, you then teach to your children. And that's the problem with religion in general. There's not enough a challenge to the religion to know it's true. Prove it to yourself is not being happening. It's not happening. 
Um, and one of my spiritual masters, you know, said years ago, you can't defend the Bible because it can't defend itself. And if you truly challenge the religion, you will realize there's too much holes. And we'll get into that in a minute. There's just too much holes in religion. But the point here is that whenever you're programming through a religious system, in general, people don't challenge the religious system. They accept it as truth and then teach that to their children and then their children to their children. So you get participation effect without challenge. And that's what's the problem with religion. And that's the binding effect. But eventually, after the binding stage, you go to um, the centering stage. I'm only going to go to two more because the rest are very, very spiritual. They're not really relevant to the religious topic. But the centering stage is typically what happens at the age of 21, where you start to reject your prayer programming, if you're aware. Not everybody gets to that point. So the centering stage is where the ego completes it. Centering. Yeah, centering, as in being in the center. Centering. Yeah, centering. Yeah. So this is where the ego completes its growth, because, you know, normally the ego formalizes at the age of three. Whenever you learn to say no, when you realize that there's a separation between you and your parents, that's when the ego starts to formalize at three years old normally. But it completes its growth at 21. And this is just when you get the sense of who and what you are. So you start rejecting the parental binding stage. This is a stage where you can like get into gangs or you get into the wrong crowds or you date the wrong person or you fail at school or whatever. You start to reject everything that you were taught by your parents. And that's why you had that adolescent stage where all parents say, my child just isn't listening to it anymore. They are rejecting the programming because the ego starts to realize it has to make its own choices. And that's the centering stage. And then the fourth stage is the choice stage. And this is where you're, you question your own thoughts, your beliefs. You start to say, am I worthy? This is the important stage of growth for most people because you question society. And this is where most people can go through a midlife crisis. They realize that there are no shortcuts in life. Um, and this is where people can start getting, you know, our sort of clients, they get gut issues, they get headaches, they get migraines. This is when the pain teacher arrives in their life to force them to reevaluate the choices that they've made. And that's why it's the choice stage. So that's and that can happen between 25 and 40 for most people. They start to have a look at their life and realize it's just not working the way, you know, the way that I've been doing things is unsustainable. And those are our clients. They are at that choice stage. Um, these people may be battling religion. So I'm going to give you an example of someone. I remember Paul was talking about this woman who had low back pain um, for many, many years. And she went to see Paul and um well, she's seen different therapists to get rid of her back pain and her back pain wouldn't go. And she was a Muslim and, you know, she went to see Paul <clears throat> and he realized very quickly that the reason why she was carrying low back pain is because she was carrying, carrying emotional trauma from the fact that she was in a religion that suppressed her, which is Islam. Now, not all, all forms of Islam are absolute suppression, but there are specific sects, sects of Islam that are worse than others in terms of female suppression. <clears throat> so because she had this Suppression is she didn't want to be religious. Um, she was carrying a lot of emotional trauma, a lot, a lot of emotional baggage. Once he had spoken to her and gave her the realization that she needed to leave her religion, she just divorced her husband, left the religion, and her back pain went because of the burden of trauma she was carrying from the suppression. So we know there's a lot of people that, in, as in another example, you know, Paul talks about how. Um, 
when he gets clients that come to him with cancer, um, eight out of every 10 people that come to him with cancer are Christians. Mm. And they typically have cancer of the sex organs. Sexual suppression, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sexual frustration. Because now they're in their, their, you know, the part of their religious um, program is when you get married, it's till death do you part. Supposing you don't even like the woman or man anymore and you've got to stay with them and you've got to have sex. That's going to have an effect on your sex organs. And that's why he sees that you know, of the 10 of the people that have sex of the cancer of the sex organs are Christian. Now, that's not coincidence. Coincidence happens twice. Coincident means it happens twice. It's ten times, eight out of every ten times. So we know there's a lot of people that are carrying the burden of being in a religious program that they feel they can't leave because God in the Bible tells them if you leave, you will die. So going back to your point of a lot of the problems with fear as part of the religious program is people being told that they cannot leave their religion or they will die or cannot get a divorce or they will die. So these are some of the you know the, the common problems with the binding effect. And the programming that we were just talking about these um, different stages of consciousness. And before we get into your uh, question that's going to relate to this, um, so part of this um, religious programming is um, different stages of consciousness. So humans go through, um, you know, the li- different levels of consciousness in other models. There's the um, archaic consciousness, which is the foundation of intuition, sensation, feeling, interaction in nature. So this is where people understand about sexual movements, um, the power of dance, that everything in the universe moves. Um, This is where you realize that you have to have experiences rather than just thinking. Um, And then you get to magic consciousness, which is the worship of ears, um, ear, animals, you realize that you have a brain, you have a mind, um, you start to worship fire, um, plant medicines, the ocean, the waves, so all the things in nature. And then eventually you get to the mythic consciousness. Mythic consciousness is where we start to communicate, we start to worship religion. And um, this is where, you know, the mythic, you know, of myth and mystery and wonder comes about. And at that stage, that's where you gravitate to something that you feel is higher than humanity and you start to be driven into finding some purpose or some God in heaven. And that's where people gravitate to religion when they have their, what they call it, um, born again. When they have this yeah. Spiritual awakening or whatever. Spiritual awakening. Yeah. That's when you get to the mythic stage of consciousness. So, and you know, this is where the ego is finding, trying to find meaning and purpose. So those are the things that kind of drive people to religion other than the parental um, and religious programming that's been forced into people that people never question. So I know people, I'm sure you know people that they never question their religion, no matter how hard, you know, they will never question their religion. Um, And, you know, this is the problem. What we're saying is challenge their religion to see if it actually works. And if you challenge it properly, you will realize it does not work. So let's talk about some scenarios as as to the problem with Christianity in general. Okay, so firstly, um, what, what religion was Jesus? Jewish, no? It definitely wasn't Christian. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, this is, well, well what religion was he? Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's talking about a guy that was in the Middle East being white. Mm. Um, so, I know, for, for, for just from common sense, it doesn't really make sense. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know, what religion was he? Mm. So, Christians are following Jesus and you know Christianity means one who follows Jesus 
or you know you know Jesus Christ and the word Christ comes from the word caressed which means to anoint and when you go study what the word caressed means it basically means that you're getting anointed with oil so anyone that gets anointed with oil is caressed or Christ um, and they but they make Christ like something holy like the anointed one that's not what it means when you study the word it just means to anoint someone with oil so if you put oil in your head you're now a Christ anyone can do that um, and the oil they used was um, fat from it was actually fat from a crocodile um, yeah it was actually fat that they stayed heated and that would be what they'd use in holy ceremonies to actually anoint people if you study the Bible you actually realize more than one person was was um, caressed as in spiritually and um, Jesus wasn't the only, only um, Messiah in the Bible so um, you know so first of all you can't be Jesus couldn't have been a Christian and in in Matthew he talks about not an iota or a dot of the law will change before me or after me. So if he wasn't Christian, what law was he following that did not change? He said, not an iota or a dot of the law will change. Universe. So why did they change the law? The law of the universe? Yeah. So he, he didn't bring in a new religion because nowhere in the Bible did he say, I have come with a new way. Nowhere. Any Christian, find it. Find a quote in the Bible where Jesus said, I have come and I have brought you a new religion and the religion is called this. It's called Christianity. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. Um, so why do people follow him as, 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 um, in such a way? And Jesus, there's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus actually told anybody to follow him as a, as a God. He says, is it not written in your law, I said ye are gods? And the law goes back to Psalms 82.6. And in, in Psalms 82.6, I actually, um, <clears throat> before we got on this call, I actually um, got these up. So Psalms 82.6, he said, I have said, ye are gods and all of you, all of you are children of the Most High. So we keep saying that Jesus is God, but yet Jesus himself in their book said, I have said, ye are gods plural. And so this is all of you are children of the Most High. So this is the thing, right? We're all God. Yeah. Exactly. Everything, Jesus. everything, everything is God. The mm. universe. If I was looking at, look at things like the universe or nature, it's all God. Exactly. And, the, and and so this is, this is the thing because when it comes to it, don't sit here and just start caning Christianity and, and, and Catholics because you know people. This is the thing about it. Some people use it to the, uh, and they use it for faith and that faith gives them a bigger if you look at the blue zones you go back into health look at the blue zones mm. around the world yeah mm. they, there's 13 things that everyone has blue like those those blue, so blue zones people out there don't know the, the zones of the world where people lived the, the longest like, m most centurions and um there's 13 things that they situated all, all different parts of the world but there's 13 things that they all have in common mm. Ones like they all eat together. The ones they um, have a big family presence. They have lots of they make lots of organic um, raw foods. They there's, there's mm -hmm. lots of things they do. One of the things move a lot. Move a lot, yeah. But one of the things is they all have a purpose. Every day they get out of, out of bed, they have a purpose, and they all believe in a bigger, bigger faith or something bigger than themselves. You know, think yeah. that, that what they're doing is and so when it's used for that. It's it's like you can't knock it for that. Yeah, yeah. But it's like this is where we're coming. It's breaking because when I speak to Nick John and, and, and sorry Nick Patterson from John Eight, and we talk about certain things and the way he, he speaks about the Bible and the way 
it, it, it's inspirational because you're like you're taking it as a as an inspiration or like you're, you're yeah. taking it as a, is it the way it's rather than for how people take it in terms of having a dogma about it if that makes sense and so this is what yeah dictatorship so so because it's even like understanding the bible because our laws are written on them or on the bible it's important for people to know but a lot of people don't even know the words or even what the words mean it's like when you talk about the word understand do you understand do you stand under me it's like no it's like do you inter so these are just people out just want to get get into it because it's not it's it's important people to understand because it's just like putting things apart just people understand people to understand people to have a comp like um to get a grasp about what we're, what we're just trying to do here in terms of religion. i was taught the word overstand I overstand overstand really yeah because when you overstand you stand above and you look down with greater perspective it's like a bird's eye view mm-hmm. so you know just getting more into the specific stuff with again a lot of the problems with, with the religion um itself the word religion by the way means to tie fast or to bind yeah so to tie fast or to bind, that means you're binded to a, a thought process that does not allow you to think. State, state of life bound by monistic vows, also conduct indicating a belief in a divine power. I mean, that was religion in, in, in the year two, uh, 1200. I was on the, uh, mm. um, yeah, like the eto, um, etymological. etymological dictionary here, yeah. 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 Um, and so, so but, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, so, so some people write, how they defend this when I, when we bring out quotes like this is how they defend this and say, oh, it's little G versus big G. And I'm like, okay, you, I know, do not understand ancient languages because in ancient languages, which is what this is taken from, there is no capitalization. There is no little G, big G. There is no capitalization at all in old religions. So don't play that game. There is, there is no such thing as big G or little G. It does not exist in ancient languages, which is what this is taken from. When you actually read Psalms in the Old Testament, He's saying the word Elohim, right? Amharic, which is a form of, of um, um, Hebrew. He's actually quoting in the actual ancient language, it's the word Elohim. And the word Elohim means gods. Gods, plural. Not no capital, it's gods. That's what it means. So he's saying, I said ye are Elohim, and all of you are children of the Most High. And the word for Most High is what people want to call it. If it's in Hebrew, it would be Jehovah or Yahweh, um, which is the ancient name for um, the Most High in, in um, Hebrew. So he's telling you, you are gods, but yet you think he is God. And you say, no, I said, ye are gods. So, and then um, another chapter, um, Exodus chapter 20, verse three to five, which I want to just pull out, which relates to this, where it says, thou shalt, this is God talking now, thou shalt not, no, have no other gods before me. What other gods are there? Makes no sense. Thou shalt not make any any make unto thee any graven image or any likeness or, or anything that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth below that is not under the water or under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down to themselves, bow down themselves to them nor serve them. For I now this is the part that makes no sense when people read this. For I, the God, thy God, am a jealous god mm. how can god who's omnipotent omnipresent omni whatever you want be jealous what are you jealous of jealousy is a human trait so when people read this they don't think well hold on how can god be jealous i can understand if god says don't worship anyone except me but then to say i'm jealous 
that means if you, it's like I'm like me or you, we're walking down the road and someone looks at our girl, we're like, don't look at my girl. That's a human trait. So he's saying, I am a jealous God. That's a human trait. So what this is showing you that the people that are writing these books are not God. Another thing that's really interesting to that point, in the Old Testament, it says, they say that um, Moses received the books of the Bible and that it was his books. That's a lie. And that Moses wrote a lot of the Old Testament. That's a lie. Because at the end of it, it says, and he died. Who wrote and he died if he's dead? Mm. But they say Moses wrote it. So what Moses died and then wrote it, it makes no sense. Another thing, they say that um, God, you know, God knows everything. God is everywhere. God knows everything. So everybody knows the story of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were in the garden and um, they had a tree in the garden. And then God said, don't eat of the tree. Don't eat of the apple of the tree or you'll be taken out of the garden. So Adam eats, you know, oh, sorry, Eve, you know, Eve eats the apple or whatever. And then God comes down to the garden. <laughs> this is the story. God comes come down to the garden of Eden in the cool of the day, it says. So why does it have to say in the cool of the day? Like, what is he, what is skin cancer? So it came in the cool of the day. And then he says, um, he, asks, he asks Adam and Eve, where are you? How and why is God asking you, where are you in the garden he created? So you're hiding behind a tree he created in the garden. He doesn't know where you are. So he calls out to Adam and Eve, where are you in the garden? How That makes no sense. Another thing, in the Bible, it says the sun rises and sets. The sun does not rise and set. It only appears to if you're on earth. If God's in heaven, God would know that. So it's like this is written through the inspiration of God. So how does God not know the sun rises and sets? It makes no sense. Um. And then another part of the Bible, right, Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 um, down to 6, right, when people talk about God and like, they have no clue what's actually going on in the Bible, right. And it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, and let's hear that and relate that to Jesus for a moment, because Jesus is supposed to be the son of God. Singular, the only son of God. But yet here it says that the sons of God. So first of all, that's the first question. How the heck are the other sons of God? I thought Jesus was the only son of God. So the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, which means beautiful. And they took them wives, all of what they chose. Took, took, took. I want them to understand that. And then... And the Lord said, my, my spirit shall not strive with man, for he is also flesh, yet his day shall be 120. What that's basically saying is no man will live more than 120 years. Right now, verse four, there were giants in the earth in those days. Hmm. Giants. That's interesting. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, so separation. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, which means obviously had sex, and they bear children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, the men of renown. So who are they? So there are a set of gods that came down to earth and had sex with women and bore children who became the mighty men of old, the men of renown. Mm. 
there's so much it's, people don't understand how important that part of, of the of the Bible is. And it's telling you that sons of God, that there were multiples of them, and that they had sex with women, and that they were giants who also were a separate group who also had sex with women. Now, when you read it in the Old Testament and you read the ancient text, it actually doesn't say God. It says the sons of, of the Elohim, and Elohim means those beings or the pluralization of God. And then when it says giants, the word giant, if you actually replace that in the ancient text, is actually the word Nephilim. Nephilim is a group of... Um, a completely different group of extra-dimensional beings that came here that were massive. And I couldn't find a quote I was trying to look for before we came on. But it's uh, what, what were they called again? Nephilim. So it was Adahim and Nephilim. Elohim was one group, which is the gods, and then the Nephilim, which is the second group, which were the giants. Right, and then Nephilim were the ones you said extraterrestrial. Yeah, they are what people call, um, what's his name, Zachariah Stitchin when he talks about the Anakites. Anakites, yeah. yeah. So that's them. They are the giants that were in the earth in those days. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was another quote, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it because I couldn't remember the quote, but it's in Numbers when they actually talk about how these men were so big that humans were like grasshoppers to them in size. So they were talking about 30-plus feet tall. So this isn't, if people say, oh, it's rubbish, I'm just like, this is your book. This is what your book says. So right. it makes sense when you see some of the buildings with the doors that are that ridiculously high and the roofs yeah. cathedrals that are really high. Yeah. Um, people say, why would they build it so high? And it's like when you look at some of these things, how tall people were, and it's hard for people to even fathom. But if you go, I think I saw something on Gaia about this once, and I was like, it sort of makes sense. Quite like some of these cathedrals, things like that, buildings. Mm. Um, but this is all sort of like the lost history. Of, I don't know Graham Hancock might have something to say about about it. But um, yeah, Greg Braden as well. Yeah, and and so it's in, so it's interesting. This is a so that's the that's the Bible. What about the? Um, I mean, you've got parts of the Quran. I'm guessing that the Talmud as well that don't make sense. Mm. Yeah. So like in in the um, <coughs> Quran. Especially in, in Islam, the word, okay, let's just talk about the word Muslim, first of all, because this is the whole foundation of their, their religion. <clears throat> the word Muslim, they say the word Muslim means one who submits. That's an absolute lie. It does not mean one who submits. Um, find, for, fortunately, I was able to learn enough Islam and study with masters that actually knew this. Um, so the word <clears throat> Salam, means peace because you know people say assalamu alaikum yeah, which means i greet you in the name of peace or you know greetings onto you or greetings and salutations however people translate it um but you know the true uh, um breakdown of assalamu alaikum means peace and blesses onto you but salam means peace and the word mu means one who is and then salam means peace so the word mu salam Mu Salam is Muslim. When you break it down, Mu and Salam are the two words that are bound together to become the word Muslim. So the word Muslim actually means one who is of peace. That's not defined by religion. You could be a doctor and be a Muslim because you're a peaceful doctor. You could be a farmer and you're a peaceful farmer. It just means one who is of peace. But they tell you, and if you speak to an imam who's actually studied the Quran, they'll actually say, yeah, you're actually right, it doesn't mean one who submits. But everybody else who hasn't studied it will say it means one who submits because they're just regurgitating something they learned from somebody else. 
So that's the first thing, because they say you cannot be, and the reason why I bring that up is because they say you cannot be Muslim unless you pray, because to submit means to submit into prayer. And so that is the whole preface of their religion as to why they must pray five times a day to be Muslim, to be a good Muslim. But that's not correct. It just means you have to be a peaceful person. So you could never pray in your life and just be very peaceful. You'd be a Muslim by definition. Right. So the word Islam itself, is, which is the framework of the religion, the word Islam means a state of peace. A state of peace because it's the word Salam, Islam, state of peace. So Musalam, one of peace. So that's the first thing man, that a lot of them get wrong. And that's, a, that's a big thing, right? Because yeah. it changes the whole, changes the whole uh, like premise around what they do and how they act exactly. and, and who they think they are. Yeah. So a lot of the enlightened Muslims will tell you whenever you see these fanaticals, they always say they're not, they're not Muslim because that's not how Muslim conducts themselves. As you just said, you do not blow people up. That's not the way of Islam. That's not the way of peace. So straight away, to be on, and the thing is, I want to say this as well, is that the people that blow people up, they're a very small minority of Muslims. Most mm. Muslims are not like that. It's maybe 5% of all Islam is like that. Um, but some of the things that we're aware of with, in the Western world of Islam that people frown, in, frown at is the um, subjugation of women. Now, there is nowhere in, in the Quran now, Muslims, you know, they can get angry when I say this, but just prove it. There in, there's nowhere in the Quran where it states, not in the Hadith, forget Hadith, there's nowhere in the Quran where it states that women are second class citizens. There's nowhere in the Quran where it states that a woman cannot get to heaven, because that's what they say in Islam, that a woman cannot get to heaven but through a man. There's nowhere in the Quran that it says that. There's nowhere in the Quran where it says Muhammad is the most important prophet. Nowhere in the Quran does it say that. There's only three times it actually mentions the name Muhammad by name in the whole Quran. Only three times. It actually states the word Jesus or um, Isa, as they probably call him, or um, Abraham or Ibrahim, as they call him. They mention their names or Musa, which is Moses. They state their names far more in the Quran than 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 Muhammad. You know, his name is only mentioned three times in the whole Quran. So there's nowhere in the Quran where this where it states that Muhammad is the greatest um, or most important prophet. Nowhere. So <clears throat> they you know they have La ilaha illa Allah Muhammad Rasulullah, which means um, Allah is one and Muhammad is his prophet or or his apostle. Because they're putting Muhammad on the same line as Allah. But nowhere in the Quran does it state that. It only states that in Hadith. And it's the Hadith that is, in, is interpretations of people's points of view of what the Prophet Muhammad said. So that in itself is wrong. If you want to follow Islam, you follow the Quran. And what you realize is if you follow the Quran, you, there is no laws in the Quran. There's no laws in the Quran at all. This, the, the Quran is an account of stories. It's just stories about what happened to people around that time. But there's nowhere in the Quran where it says, pray five times a day, um, and this is how you pray. You put your hands here, you turn this way. So, so how so how are they... That take... comes from Hadith. So what's the Hadith? Hadith are tales of men. Hadith are the, the Islam's version of the New Testament. 
Right. Okay. And so in the deep, it says you have to you have to pray five times a day. Yeah. Hadith it shows all that sort of stuff. So the new so, is that, so 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 yeah. how so just just quickly for people out there, Muhammad and Allah. Muhammad is what like their version of Jesus and yes. Allah is God. Yes. Right. And and so why you said the hadith? Why is the hadith not as relevant as the Quran? Well, to them it is. To them it is. But the problem with it is the same way how the New Testament is as relevant to Christians as the Old Testament. But the fact is that the Old Testament is the stories of prophets and apostles. So everything in the Old Testament was given to a prophet <coughs> or an apostle. And the prophets or apostles are classed as being guided or anointed by God, chosen by God. It's the same with the Quran, chosen by God. So, so, so to um to Muhammad. The, right, old, so, the, old, the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were just yeah. politicians. Mm-hmm. They were just people that are hanging around. None of them were highly spiritual or blessed, but they are the books that people read. And it's the same with Hadith. The Hadith were not given to spiritual prophets or apostles. They were just given to men or written, I should say, accounts by men. And the thing is, the oldest. I know you want to ask questions, sorry. The oldest, um, okay, so the, the Quran is 1,400 years old. Right, so the, the closest book of the Hadith to that is written about 100 years after the death of Prophet Muhammad. So it doesn't account for the time when he was there, it only accounts after the time. And it's accounts written, supposedly accounts written by men that were around in the time of the Prophet Muhammad who witnessed him and observed him and wrote accounts of his life that are supposed to be truthful. But in Hadith, there are thousands upon thousands of Hadiths written by thousands of people. So, right, okay. So, so Hadith is like our version of the Old Testament? No, version of the New Testament. New Testament? Yeah. Right, okay. So that in the Quran's the Old Testament? Yes. Right, so that... So that's why people take it because it's the most recent thing written. So they think that that's what's okay. But in the Quran, it doesn't mention also, praying, etc. Yeah, but also in the Quran, yeah, as he says to Muhammad, when you were in doubt, go back to the Old Testament. It says El Torah. El Torah is the Old Testament. So by it actually says I can't remember the verse, but as he says, um, Muhammad, when you were in doubt, go back to the Old Testament. So right. telling them to read the Old Testament. That's the book that they frown, but they're supposed to read it. They frown upon that, do they? Yeah, yeah, because they say they say that they say that this is the main reason why. The reason why they say they don't go back to the Old Testament is because they say the Old Testament has been tampered with. The translations that are around now. You can't get an accurate account of the Old Testament, which is true. Um, but they also say that the Quran cannot be tampered with, which is why they can read the Quran. Um, because the Quran is supposed to have um, every verse of the Quran, every ayat, as they call it, is um, protected by a numerical value. It's this perfect seal, like you cannot tamper with any line because it adds up to a certain number, and that way it can't be tampered with. But a Muslim scientist spent years studying the Quran and the mathematical equation, Muslim, and he proved that that was incorrect. He proved that the Quran was tampered with and that the verses do not add up 
um, I can't remember what the number is, but they don't add up to the number they're supposed to. And what happened? He was murdered. Well, I'm about to say, you could be up for the chop here, uh, Warren, yourself. Yeah, but that's just the truth. He was murdered, you know. Mm. So um, there is. So because what we're saying is because there's um, there's enough doubt in these religions that what we're asking people to do is challenge them, challenge whether or not they're truthful, and find out if they're not, and see if it works for you. Mm. But the problem is, is most religious people don't. They're too scared to challenge their own belief system because what will they have left? As you know, you know, most people would rather believe what they believe because they realize if they challenge it, they won't know who they are. They won't recognize who they are in the mirror. So most people won't challenge their religious belief. So as we said at the start, there's nothing wrong with being a Christian and Muslim or Jew, as long as you're doing it in the right way and you ask the honest questions. Um, and, you know, the fact that in Islam, there are 73 different sects of Islam tells you that there's some confusion. Fact. The fact is that there are 30,000 different Christian sects, which tells you there's even more confusion. You know, it's like there's 30,000 books on diet. How would you know what's the right one? There's 30,000 different forms of Christianity. How do you know what the right one is? There's no way you can know that because you can't say, well, I was born in this one, so it's the right one. You never challenge it. Challenge it to find out if it's right. Mm, that's that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, right? Mm. Because then your your yeah your whole belief system can come tumbling down. But you know if it if it if it can be um if it can be exposed by the truth, then it should be exposed by the truth. It but that to defend itself, it can't. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. You could, if you, you said before you, you can't defend the Bible because it can't defend itself. But as I said before, there is some inspirational stuff to take from it. Uh, and even words and what they really mean. And if you think it's important to know the Bible just because of our laws are written on, on the Bible, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's important. I always say to my clients and my students, <clears throat> something that Paul you know, always says, um, it's important to study religion so you can study, and it sounds bad, but you can study the disease, study why most people are, you know, having emotional problems or spiritual problems, and a lot of it stems from their belief of their religion, which they've never challenged, and that's why they have the challenges that they have. They they know that they should be a good person because it says it in their book, and they're challenged by that. So that's what causes a lot of the problems. You know, most problems we call it the faulty God model. Most people's mental, emotional problems and challenges come from their belief systems. Going back to that woman that I mentioned earlier about her low back pain because of suppression. You know, Islam dependent on sex can be very suppressive to women and imagine if you're born and you're very one of those very outspoken women who believes in equality and you're in islam it's going to cause emotional trauma so that's what we say that's why we're saying that religion is one of the biggest causes of emotional pain in most people's lives so you have to challenge a religion like another example my one of my friends i think i might have said this to you before you know he's christian he's seventh day adventist and you know about two years ago you know I called him and we were talking. I was fin- I just finished teaching and he said, Do you know what blue balls is? And I was like, Yeah, of course I do. And um, he said, I've got blue balls. And now he has never had sex. He's fifty five. Yeah, he's fifty five, never had sex. And he's never never you know sorted himself out. So of course he's gonna have blue balls. And the reason why he hasn't been married is because he Get can't you. have sex the reason why he hasn't had sex though is because he can't have sex until he gets married according to his religion. And according to his religion, he cannot sort himself out. 
according to his religion. So he's gone through life with severe pain and he had to take two weeks off work because his, his balls were hurting because God said, so apparently, God said he can't have sex unless he gets married. And then he has a sister who has the same thing and now she's past childbearing age and now her, their grand, their mother will not have any grandchildren because they couldn't have sex because they couldn't find the right religion. And one time he found a woman that he thought was kind of cool and he was seven of the Adventists, but she was Jehovah Witness or something. I was like, but you both believe in Jesus. You both read the, the Bible. So what's the problem? He goes, oh no, she has to be my religion, my Christian. So he didn't get with her. That's the problem with, with Christianity, Islam, Judaism. Mm. It's, it's not even enough to just be Christian. You have to be the right type of Christian. Well, yeah, no, no. yeah, and that's the other thing, right? It's it's like spitting all these. Things. I mean, when you think about it, they should all be coming from the same, from the same, singing from the same hymn sheet. For, for, for yeah. one of the things, trying to bring people together rather than causing yeah. division. Yeah. And this is the thing for for yourself. Do you, I mean, I mean, was you religious when you were younger? Did you have a religion? I mean, my parents were, I suppose, loosely Christian, um, but obviously they weren't practicing. Um, but I quickly learned many years ago, you know, the stuff that I've been talking about. So I realized there was no, tr- no absolute truth to it and that it just didn't make sense to me. And if you question religion in, in like Paul Check would say, you know, when he started to ask them questions about, well, the, that doesn't say this. They would say, shut up, don't ask questions. And that's not, if that's not the way you should be, you should encourage questions. And from our standpoint, with what's going on with the world and narrative, we always like, no, challenge the narrative and ask mm. questions. And if it, it's like, if you fear questions, that means you don't have the answer. And all religions fear questions. And going back to Islam for a second, in Islam, they have a spiritual branch of Islam called Sufi or Sufism. And in that spiritual sect, they see things very differently to the standardized version of Islam. It's very, very different. Um, and it's the same with um, Christianity. You know, they say, you know, and I, I throw this out as another question just to give people a thought. You know, I've already shown you in the, in the Quran that people can go and read for themselves that Jesus wasn't the only son of God and that Jesus said we are all gods. Well, another question I throw out is if Jesus was the only son of God, who was, Je- who was Adam the son of? Had to be the son of God, right? So there's definitely more than one son of God. Well, Su- Sufi, what is, what is it? Is it is never really, is Sufi, it, the word yeah. Sufi means pure being. And Sufi were spiritualists. They would do, have you heard of the swirling dervishes? No. These basically do this dance where they will hold hands, um, <clears throat> put their arms around each other's shoulders. They wear these kind of um, crown, like, um, uh, like, um, hats? Crown? These kind of hats, the pointed hats. And yeah. they would wear these kind of long, kind of, almost like dresses. And they would, you might have seen them dancing where they go around in circles. They spin. Sounds like KKK, Big pointy hats, long dresses. Yeah, they don't wear the whole mask coming down, but that's where the KKK kind of get some of their dress from Freemasonry. And yeah. the first form of um, Freemasonry was um, it was actually a spiritual Islamic sect. Uh, I forget the word now. I forget the name. Was it? Yeah. It was of the Mystic Shrine, I think it was. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, anyway, they would basically spin around in circles. It's called the swirling, so swirling, like spinning, swirling dervishes. Um, oh, okay. So you might have seen that before when they spin around and the, the dress kind of spins. Mm-hmm. Um, this relates to um, 
they relate in this to tetrahedron sciences, which is the sciences of the pyramids, like vortexes. They were creating vortexes with their dancing. But they're, they were like a, the spiritual sect of Islam, so they would be similar to monks in Christianity. Mm, interesting. It's 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 very it's all uh, it's interesting when you go go down that path as well because it's like you look at all different. Th- you know, we talk about um, we talk about a couple of things. Just just like for people like it's this word that you've got people like been looking into, for example, a little bit like Native Americans, mm. okay, because they have different practices and they're very spiritual and they believe in, you know, if you, if you go to war with a if you get if you, if you go to war if you have a fight with a wolf or share blood with something that you get its soul and it's all parts of this but they, these religions and they and the way they talk about healing and medicines and, and the spirit it's very um it's once again it has certain parts of religion religion in it you know, that's not a religion i don't know what i don't know what it would be called i suppose it's just way, the way of it's way of life yeah exactly so it means it's a way of life and so it's like they all have these things but they're not um they're not in such a way that if people don't follow them, there's no like, oh, you're a bad person if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. It's or but I suppose it's on a smaller scale, right? So it's like, and um, and so it's and no one's trying to bastardize their writings, for example. And there's and a lot of these ancient tribes or ancient, um, yeah, there's just people say people spirits. They have different spiritual practices, and I think a lot of them are very beautiful and very like, very healing. Um, and it's just interesting. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure I've gone into the Egyptians a, li- a little bit, not as much as I, I want to. I'm sure they had certain things that they did. Um, and when you look at the, the pyramids, for example, people don't even know. Well, there's different schools of thought on this, right? I mean, would, have you looked into the pyramids and how they, how they got there, etc.? Massively. And what do you, what do you think? Our studies was on, on, on the pyramids. But kind of, <laughs> before we get to that, I just wanted to just kind of say, um, so one of the things with, um, one of the problems, again, another problem in general is in the, so you've got the Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, what we call in Christism, Muhammadism, and it's Ibrahimism, which is just the worship of those men, not the actual religion. That's the problem with them. They're so fixated on men. It's all about male, that man, masculine worship. The massive problem with all these religions in general is exclusivity, which means, when I mean that, what I mean is similar to what you were just saying just now. If you're not a part of our sect, there's something wrong with you. Mm. That's not ex- that's not inclusive. Ex- that's exclusive. It's all about them, and it's always about what's wrong with everybody else, and it always pointing the thing that you're going to hell, I'm not, and that creates division and separation because all of the religions are against each other. Every war, as we know, study history, every war has been a religious war. In the Quran, in the Bible, they all talk about religious wars. So it doesn't bring people together. So if you follow religion and you only focus only on your family, then you're never connecting to every other family. And as you said, in the ancient tribes, it's all about inclusion. Every time you go and see, sit, uh, sit with a Mayan or an Aztecian or a, um, you know, anyone that's from the ancient schools, they always Native Americans, whatever, they always bring you into their community. Um, because it's all a community base, it's all about a whole worldism, not a exclusivism like you've got to be my religion or we shun you, and that's what's wrong. Another thing that's wrong with with, um, with religions in general, like separation, not not connection. Well, the, the, um, I was just going to say the good, the good. But the thing is, see, this is the thing that what they've done with the world. You talk, you're talking about that, you know, in terms of like include and um, being uh, not being inclusive, being d- divisive. But one of the things that they've managed to do in today, what we're going through right now, is that they've had this whole like um, 
demasculinization sort of agenda going on for a long time because there's no strong alphas and there's no one to stand up against what's going on here which is basically what's happened mm-hmm. and, and, and good points about religion were like a strong family unit a strong male figurehead who, and, and a strong female to take care of the family mm-hmm. um, and so there are good parts about you know um, I think it was, I was listening to Martin uh, Harris uh, sorry, Martin Harris, Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson talk, and it was Douglas Murray was 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 uh, like, was was um, like refereeing the discussion, and you know Jordan Peterson, Samuel Harris is very much like atheist. Um, Jordan Peterson comes from the point of like I, he gets the, the bad about religion, but there's also lots of good there in terms of, mm. of knowledge and wisdom there. And Douglas Murray came out and said, yeah, I think we might be in the only the place now where we realise anything worse than religion is not having it because of what's coming on the back of it like all this transgender um like just making up nonsense you know just uh, and, and it's and gone of like the actual actual christian judicial um religion or, or views of the world because there is like having a strong family unit get rid of that you know uh, and then having like all single mums who try to be everything to everyone they're ill and, and then you can't uh, so they just overworked you know they, they can't then you've got all these children growing up about a mum and a father and all these things that gets disbanded and then it becomes that we're more that we're more broken up as a society and therefore we're easy to control because people you know, the families aren't looking after each other back in the day you look at films like the godfather for example yeah. like their family unit was so strong that it was able to basically take like, it, was more, it was almost as powerful as the government you know because you couldn't infiltrate that family unit and that was built off the back of you know religion and and taking things and 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 building a family. So that, so there's pros and cons to everything, you know. And it's like sometimes I feel like that that being lost is. I mean, you can have it without. This is the thing. It's like you can have that without it being all religious. But I think that we're losing we're losing a lot of the good as well as the bad. And that's that's a problem as, as well. I think. Yeah, basically, the Western religion <clears throat> is classed as the exo, exoteric which means the lesser mysteries and spirituality, cosmosisms, um, the ancient Egyptians, the Mayans, and Native Americans, they may be classed as esoteric, which is the greater mysteries. And true knowledge and information comes from within. As we know, if you don't go within, you go without. And faith without works is meaningless. And so many of these religions are faith-based, and you have to have faith. Like Whenever you don't know the answer to a question, always say, oh, you just have to have faith. But you, you're supposed to have faith with your soul, but you want, you want to dissect and discern information when it comes to buying a house or a car or whatever you want to know all the information you will study that but you won't you won't need proof on your soul but you'll need proof of everything else so you know religions have, needs to move into being evidence-based and experience-based and the only way you can go for that is challenge everything question everything and see if it works and if it works and it helps you to be that person then it's great the problem is that's not being done and that's what we need is just for people to challenge the beliefs so that they actually have awareness rather than just belief because belief in itself is just trusting what you don't know mm. and hoping that at the end of the day is right and that's not good enough 100 percent. and it's which when we look into we're just going to get onto the, the pyramids what did you what have you, yeah. what have you found to that. yeah so um you know the scientists i always say to people look at where science is directing their energy they spend millions a year trying to decipher and understand the pyramids you don't see them go into cathedrals 
and spending money to try and figure out how do they build the cathedrals? How do they build the Vatican? They don't care about that because that's not great information. They spend, and one of my clients told me this, they spend more money a year on uncovering, the, unlocking the secrets of the pyramids than they spend on the NASA space project. That's how much they want to know about the pyramids. So they know this more than what they're laying on. That's why they're spending so much damn money there. So what they found is, and I think I might have said this to you before, but um, the pyramids are the he heaviest structures on the planet by far. As in, when I say the pyramids, because people think there's only three, there's hundreds of pyramids around the world. There's pyramids under the water. Um, so the three pyramids of, of Giza are the heaviest structures on the planet. So to keep people contact before I say how much they weigh. So um, the Twin Towers, before they were destroyed, the Twin Towers, you know, how high they are, like a mile up or something. You know, thinking about how high they were, like a mile high, right? The Twin Towers together weighed something like 100,000 tons. That's a lot. One of the pyramids, the Pyramid Khufu, which is the biggest pyramid of the three in Egypt, right, weighs 5 million tons. Put it in the context. Twin Towers, 100,000 tons. Five, so, and it's so, these, so smaller. They must have been... They must have been... Uh, yeah, it's just... Those so, people, and the thing those, with that is yeah. what scientists have, have found out is that part of the world is the only part of the world that can support that weight. Nowhere else on the planet can support that weight except that area. So how the heck do they have that level of knowledge to know that that area could support 5 million tons. And it's not just 5 million tons, it's 5 million tons for one, and then the other two are about 3 million tons each. So nowhere in the world can support that weight except those that area. So they had to understood geometry at an advanced level that only scientists today have been able to figure out that's the only area that can support that. Scientists also said that in order for them to build the pyramids in the time frame that they built them, because they're still guessing as to how long it took, but it, you know, it'd have to be done in, in one person's lifetime. Right. So they said that because um, you know, most of the slabs are between two million, sorry, two to 20 tons slabs. And the rocks um, that they use to build the pyramids, none of them are anywhere near the vicinity. They said that they're, they're like 100 miles away from the area. So they would travel 100 miles to get some of these rocks and bring them 100 miles back. I mean, without lorries and trucks and all this sort of stuff, so it's almost impossible to do it. And they said it would take something like 100,000 men, something like 20 years without sleep, just nonstop backwards and forwards to actually build them. So they said it's humanly impossible to build them. And because they don't want to deal with extraterrestrials, they're still trying to computate based on humans. And that's why they still haven't figured out how they were built. Because they just said, well, 100,000 people without sleep for 20 years, and they still would struggle to build the pyramids. So how do they do it without, you know, you know, construction trucks and all this stuff? How do they do it? They used levitation. And it was guided by the extraterrestrials to build the pyramids. That's how it was built. As they say, you take, you go through every scenario, whatever remains, however absurd, has to be the truth. And the fact that scientists have tried for years and years and years to figure out how humans could do it, and they still don't know, tells you it's not humans. Just take that out of the equation. It wasn't humans. It was levitation that was moving those massive 20 stone slabs from one place to the next, especially 100 miles away back. There's no way humans could do it. So what I was taught many years ago, it was, it was extraterrestrial technology that built the pyramids. 
And the fact that the pyramids of, of Giza, I'm sure you're aware of this, the pyramids of Giza line up perfectly with um, pyramids of Mars tells you it's something relating to extraterrestrial technology. And also the pyramids in Egypt are, line up perfectly with Orion's belt. Yeah. And the word Orion, going back to religion for a minute, the word Orion comes from the word Orinos. And the word Orinos is, is um, Latin for heaven. So they basically connected heaven to heaven. And when it says, you know, heaven on earth, Orion is heaven and Egypt is earth. That's heaven on earth, heaven and heaven. And if you look at the film Mission to Mars, they show you in that film that when they, um, when, when man at the end went inside the pyramid, it transformed into a, into a spaceship and it took him into Orion. And the, the, in ancient Egypt, the pharaohs, they had a shaft that where their soul would travel and it would point it directly to Orion because Orion is heaven. Interesting, man. Yes, it's something we'll definitely want to look into. That was what you got told in your in your school before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Graham Hancock says the same thing. Um, I think Greg Braden supports the same thing. A lot of them are starting to support this and they're all proven that the pyramids are older than what they've admitted. They're saying that the pyramids are 10,000 years old. That's a lie. Um, because people have proven Phil Callahan, um, um, not Phil Callahan, I forget his name, um, but uh, I forget his name now, but they're basically proven that um, because of the erosion, the erosion on the pyramids is water, and the last cycle of time that had water was 25,000 years ago. So they Amazing. said that the pyramids are at least 25,000 years old. And when you look at the Quran, when you look at the Quran, it's 1,400 years old. You look at the Old Testament, it's 4,000 years old. The pyramids predate both of them. Even on the 10,000-year-old dictate, the pyramids are older than that. And going back to religion for a second, according to religion, planet Earth is 8,000 <clears> years old. Doesn't, yeah. Diamonds mm. are more than a million years old. Crystals are more than a million years old because diamonds and crystals are part of um, pressure, created through pressure, and it takes a million years to form diamonds. So the fact that we have diamonds and gold and crystals here means the planet's at least a million years old. But science has proven that the Earth is at least four billion years old. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, we haven't even touched on that. Where are dinosaurs spoken about in the Bible? If the first day was 6,000 or 8,000 years old, where the heck did dinosaurs fit in? Dinosaurs go back to the Cretaceous period and whatever, they're 250 million years. That itself supersedes religion because they can't even explain dinosaurs. that have been proven. And if, if scientists can find um, Tyrannosaurus rex and all these sort of things, how the heck can they not find Noah's Ark? Does it exist? Or is it well, just a story? Dinosaur ones is an interesting one because there's lots of research out there that says every single dinosaur bone you see is actually replica. Um, I've heard people, I remember someone said this, that, yeah, scientists went and they buried bones, <laughs> then dug them up. They looked at it. No, but this is like, um, it's interesting. They said that none of them are, um, none of them are, uh, are, are, are originals. Cool. Yeah. Then let's talk yeah. about meteorites. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, billions, yeah. And so, but I get that, 8,000 years, that's what it says, yeah? Yeah, that's what they say. 8,000 years is the old, how old this planet is. We know the planet's older than that. Continental drift proves it's older than that. Diamonds, gold, crystals all prove it's older than that. Mm. And 
and for the, finally, before we finish up, I'll just say that um, people that want to learn more about all the truth, go and read Epics of Creation. Just Google the book, Epics of Creation. It's produced by uh, Penguin Publishers. And it talks about these tablets, these clay tablets that scientists found back in the 1950s in um, Iraq. And these tablets are written in a language they call cuneiform. And it's the oldest found language. And they've carbon dated all these clay tablets. And the tablets are between 15 and 25,000 years old. And everything that's detailed in the Bible about the Noah's flood and everything you can think of in, in Genesis is actually pre-written in this book word for mm. word, 10, 15,000 years prior to it being written in this religious book called the Bible. So it shows you the Bible is actually a copy of this older book. So let people chew on that. What was the book called again? Epics of Creation. Epics, Epics of, creation. of Creation is a count of multiple books. <clears throat> yeah, so the book that is actually a copy from Genesis, because the word Genesis means the genes of Isis, by the way. Mm-hmm. Gene, Genesis, genes, Isis, the genes of Isis, which is ancient Egyptian. Um, but it's actually Genesis itself, that book is copied from this book called the Enuma Elish. Enuma Elish is exactly word for word what the Bible says about 10,000, 15,000 years prior. Shows you it's a copy. Again, sure, don't man. believe me. Go and check it out. I've read no, it. I will. I will go and check it out, mate. It was a, it was a really good conversation. But I think we're going to have to, <clears throat> going to have to have, let me go a bit deeper. I'm going to go away and have a look at some of this stuff and have a, have yeah. a deeper conversation. But no, it's uh, it's definitely something people need to understand. This is why I always, you said before, as you said before, you know, if it's, you know, people need to go and look for the truth and look for themselves. And it's not about just sitting here and just like telling people not to, to have a religion, but it's more about yeah. just understanding the truth behind it. And what, and at the end of the day, it's about, you're, it's about being the change you want to see in the world right yeah. so if you're a good person and you've got a good heart and you're and uh, then that, that's that's what matters it's not about um if you don't do this you're going to get put into hell mm. that that's the key so going out there and being the best version of yourself is is the key that is I me mean, you said before we are all god everything is god yeah. anything else you want to add no i'm good man awesome absolute pleasure warren all right so that was episode 173 with my friend Warren Williams and we know we touched on a lot there and you know this episode um, it's going to maybe trigger some some feelings and some emotions in people just, just sit with it for a little while and ask yourself why that is and it's not about getting people to disregard their beliefs it's just about taking a deeper look into things and I'm asking questions and wondering why because at the end of the day if you can't ask questions you know then it's a fear-based dogma rather than an actual belief system which can be challenged and can be, be, be um, progressed um, you know, and be evolved, which is really important you know, for all of us, all evolving. And you know, religion's got some great uh, inspirational uh, parts to it and it's also got others that are not so much. And this is why my conversation with Nick Patterson are so good because we talk about the inspirational and not taking the book literally but taking it as an inspiration uh, when it comes to just different books. This is why it's great talking with Warren about this and understanding where religion has its benefits and where it falls down and, and what people um, can do to, to look into things and to actually open their mind and they look into nature. And that's, for me, you know, we talk about God, the universe, nature. That to me is its own religion it's, it's the only it's, it's it's the universe right so everything is all part of 
everything is ev- everything for want of a better phrase and it's it's all part of the whole so well, i hope this this conversation really opened opened your mind um to different things around religion um and you took some some good points away from it and maybe some things to go and meditate on or even go and have a little walk and just have a think about uh and so yeah i hope it did that uh, as always people um if you are dealing with any health issue and you haven't been able to overcome it by going down you know traditional traditional routes of the doctors consultants quote unquote specialists and you've been dealing with your health issue for over three months and it's become a chronic one or you've got an advanced disease then please don't hesitate to give me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co that's ryan at reviveyourself.co and i'll get back to you as soon as possible because whatever you're going through we can help you with that you know your body wants to be healthy i like to say this at the end of the show because your body does want to be healthy its default setting is health we just have to get out of its way to allow it to heal and to give it the right circumstances to heal remember any disease or chronic illness can can be healed by doing the opposite of what created it and that means looking at what's gone into creating that in the first place but then giving the body what it wants and needs and we can do that so we can definitely help with it we've done it with over 6,000 people you know I've been doing this 12 years so if you do want help then please don't hesitate to give me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co and I'll get back to you as soon as possible and we can have a chat about how we can help you move forward out of your pain and frustration and start living the life that you want and deserve again Um, so yeah that's it for the show this week people I hope you enjoyed it and as always stay happy stay healthy and I'll speak to you soon bye bye If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.